Today is the March 27th, 2022 meeting of Hope Bible Church. Steve Hogan's message is John 4 and the Gospel, Part 1. If you would like to support our sermon audio ministry, please click the Give button on our sermon audio homepage. Thank you. Good morning. Today's reading is in the Gospel of John, verses 22 to 36. Uh, Let's hear the word of the Lord. After these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he was spending time with them and baptizing. John also was baptizing in Anan near Salem, because there was much water there, and people were coming and were being baptized. For John had not yet been thrown in prison. Therefore, there there arose a division on the part of John's disciples with a few, with a Jew about purification, and they came to John and they said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold. He is baptizing, and all are coming to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves are my witnesses that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent ahead of him. He who is has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and and hears him, rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. So this joy of mine has been made full. He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is from the earth and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. When he has seen and hear and when he has seen and heard what he has seen and heard of that he testifies and no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has set his seal to this that God is true, for he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides in him. Father God, thank you for giving us this opportunity to worship you in music in the reading of your word, and in the preaching of the same. I thank you, Father, that we have the testimony of your Son, the Lord Jesus, recorded here in your word. Most importantly, that salvation comes uh, from faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and no other place. It is my prayer that each of us can say like John the Baptist that I must be I must decrease and he must increase. 
the Lord, that, uh, that he become a larger part of my life and a larger part of my will, of my world. And, and Lord, thank you for our pastor. Uh, Lord, I pr- thank you that he uh, loves you, loves your word, and loves us. I pray that you'd put in his mind what you would have him preach to us. And I pray that we would have ears to hear and take heart to, uh, to what we hear. In your name we pray. Amen. Good morning. It's great to see you all on this Lord's Day. We were singing that song, Count Your Blessings, and indeed we are blessed. We're blessed to be in this building. God's given us this building that we can worship him in. We're blessed to have one another. Uh, the blessing of brothers and sisters in Christ, the blessings of fellowship is, is, is so wonderful. Blessings to have God's word that he gives us. It's amazing. We have a book that's his book that's true. It's inerrant. We can read it and understand it and apply it to our lives. We're, we're blessed that God has given us his Holy Spirit. Uh, blessed that we have God himself and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are indeed very, very blessed. I was reading Psalm 19 this morning, verse 57. It says, the Lord is my portion. The Lord is my portion. That means you have all that you need. The Lord himself is yours and is your portion. The four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the four biographies of Jesus Christ in these Gospels. We have the message, a message about Jesus, who he is. We also have the message itself of the Gospel, what God wants to understand about how we can be saved and and what then happens to us when we are saved. Last week we looked at John chapter 3, and then today and again next week we will look at John chapter 4. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 4, Jeff just read a portion from John chapter 3. I'm going to read a number of verses from John 4. You can listen along or read along. John chapter 4, verses 1 through 18. This is the text I'll be preaching from this morning. John chapter 4, verse 1 to 18. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, He left Judea and went away again into Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria, so he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, being wearied from his journey, was sitting thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? You're not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so I'll not be thirsty nor come all the way here to draw. He said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have correctly said, I have no husband, 
For you have had five husbands, and that one whom you now have is not your husband. This you have said truly. So we have here this message about Jesus, what he was doing. We learn about Jesus. We learn about the gospel. And we also learn a lot about how to share the gospel. So we're going to take some time again this week and next week to look at this. The first point, I have a number of points just to bring out from this text. The first one is that Jesus loves everyone. Jesus did not discriminate. He was not sexist. He was not racist. Back in those days, and we pick this up from the text, the Jews, most Jews, hated the Samaritans, didn't want to have anything to do with them, and didn't even want a Samaritan to walk on their land. Not only that, but most men looked down on the women, put them down. They were second class. They were third class citizens of citizens at all. And they were put down. They were abused. They were looked upon as servants, as slaves, and as sex objects. That's the truth. But Jesus saw every person as a human being, as made in God's image, as one who was special, as one one who then had a human soul. And God, God then saw everybody, and Jesus saw everybody then as ones who were equal in his sight. So what Jesus was doing is breaking through barriers. A lot of people would have thought, what is this Jesus doing? He was, he was loving women with a godly love, and he loved the Samaritans as well. It says in, in Galatians 3.28, There's neither Jew nor Greek, neither male, free man nor slave, neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ. And that's a wonderful truth about the gospel. And what Jesus did back 2,000 years ago, because even today there's so much talk about people and what they look like and their color or their sex, and it's just not good. You go back to Jesus, and he gives the answers. As Christians, we're all one in him. So the first point, Jesus loves everyone. The second one, Jesus had no fear. Jesus wasn't afraid to talk to anyone about the gospel. Many people have what's called a fear of man. They're afraid to talk to people about the gospel. There's just this fear. Uh, they're not sure what to say. They're afraid of what that person might say to them, or they're afraid they might get some feedback, some verbal attacks uh, at them. But God has not given us a, a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of confidence and boldness and courage. And let me just three points in this. First of all, uh, how can we have this courage? It's knowing God. Is knowing that we have this relationship with him, that the Holy Spirit is in us, that he is loving and wise and strong. Secondly, is knowing the gospel itself. You might be a little bit afraid to share it if you don't know what it really is or know the main points. So it's knowing the gospel and knowing the main points of the gospel. And the third does relate to the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Spirit of God, for the Spirit gives courage. This verse here, Acts 4, 31 talking about the disciples. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. So God gives us boldness through the work of the Holy Spirit. That's what happens. So he had no fear. Third, Jesus was personal with people. There are many examples in the Gospels of how Jesus was personal, one-on-one with people. You see that. Now, of course, of course, uh, we saw this in John 3 with Nicodemus, and here's an example in John 4 with, with this woman at the well. And there's many, many other examples, and this is an example to us. He was very personal with individuals. And so when we share the gospel, we talk to people, we're talking to them one-on-one. Not that we can't talk to groups of people, whether it's small groups or big groups, we can. But as, as individuals, it's important for us to learn how to focus with just one person. 
See that that person is special. See that that person has special needs. See that that person has, has questions that they, that they want to be answered. So that's an important thing for us. And when you're with somebody, you want that person to know that you genuinely love and care for them. You want, them to, to, you want to love them. You want to be kind and, and patient and, and compassionate. And you want to be genuinely interested. And, and I think you know this. When you're with somebody and you can sort of sense that they're not being real, they're sort of fakey, you know what I'm saying? And, and you want to be real with people. You want to be genuine. And you show that interest by, by communicating and by interacting, by asking them questions, and by really listening to them, by drawing them out, not just by talking to them, but, but listening, see what they have to say, and then giving them good answers. And Jesus was with, was like this when he was with people. This example, I've mentioned this many times, but I love this verse, Luke 2.46. Jesus was sitting in the midst of the teachers. This is when he was 12 years old, Luke 2.46. Both listening to them and asking them questions. When you're with people, what do you do? You listen and you ask questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Four things. He listened, he asked questions, he understood, and he gave good answers. That's what what God wants us to be like that as well. The fourth point here is Jesus shared the gospel even though he did not feel like it. We understand from the text that he was tired. He could have thought, hey, I'm tired. I'm not up for this. And that would have been a good reason. I, I just don't feel like it. But Jesus loved this woman. And even though he was tired, even though he did not feel like it, he shared the gospel. He was motivated. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, he did share the gospel then. And his people were often tired or often busy doing something. Then we meet some person, some stranger, and it may be at an unexpected time. And, 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 and God wants it to be ones who are flexible. God wants to be ones who, who, who see the importance of sharing the gospel with people. And he wants us to be ones who are willing then to adjust and to change our schedule. So, so important in our lives with people. Second Timothy 4, 1 and 2, I'll just sort of paraphrase it. We need to be ready to share the gospel, whether it's in season or out of season, whether it's the right person, the right place, the right time, or not. Very, very important. Number five, Jesus made the most of the opportunity. Jesus was traveling. He needed a break. He was tired. And while he was sitting there, this woman comes along. And you see what Jesus does? He asks her to give him a drink of water. And he uses this particular situation to engage her, to get her in a conversation. One, then, that led him to share the gospel. That is what happened. And the lesson is this, is we need to be looking for opportunities to share the gospel and then make the most of them. Every day, especially when we're out and about, be looking for opportunities to share the gospel and then make the most of it. Yesterday I was at the pool, my noontime swim there at the YMCA. So I was talking to the lifeguard, his name was Matt, and, and we are talking about the weather, which is, you know, one of those common subjects. And he said, he says, I love hot weather. He says, I love it when it's 100% humidity in July and August. I love it. I said, oh, I said, really? I said, I said, where are you from? He says, I'm from Tampa. I says, but then he said, but my parents are from Poland. I says, Really? So that was the segue. And so what happened yesterday is I do this blog post and I put out ads for the post and I just happened to include the countries of Ukraine and Poland. And so, and then I, then I in my little bag there, things, in fact, all it is is a Ziploc bag that I take things with me to the pool, keys and stuff, but, 
but I have these little blog post cards in little plastic bags, smaller plastic bags. So I just gave them one. So the point is, it was an opportunity. You make the most of it. And I thought just for a second, should I do this or not? Yeah, do it. Come on. So anyway, God gives us opportunities we need to take, make the most of them. Now, when we think of making the most of opportunities, there's three points here that I want to mention. First, we need to be thinking about others. As you know, we can be so focused on ourselves and our own lives and what's going on. You all understand that. You all understand that. God wants to be thinking about others, to be noticing other people. Then if we engage with them to see how they're doing and what they're going through, and, and maybe God will help you to see whether they're saved or not. That's what God wants. The gospel, and this is number two, needs to be on our mind. We need to remember that, that and remind ourselves that the gospel is the single most important thing that a person needs to hear. And then we need to be looking for opportunities. That's what God wants. T- turn to Colossians 4. It, it, it mentions this. Ephesians 5, 15 to 17 is another good text. Um, but if Colossians 4, and again, the, the, my notes are back there on the table, so if you want to get that verse later, you can get my notes and it'll be there. Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6 is very applicable as we're talking about this, this section here. It says in verse 2, devote yourselves to prayer, which is an important thought about opportunities. You're up in the morning, you're praying, says, Lord, if there's somebody you want me to talk, talk today about the gospel, then give me that opportunity. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open up to us a door for the word, so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I have also been in prison, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Conduct yourselves with wisdom towards outsiders. Outsiders be another word for unbelievers. Making the most of the opportunity let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt so that you will know how you should respond to each person. So we, we, we see there the importance of making the most of opportunities, of praying and of looking for them and knowing that God himself is the one that's got to open the door for the word, asking God for open doors as we go through life. This is what God wants us to do. Secondly, the gospel needs to be on our mind. We need to remind ourselves that this is what people need to hear more than anything else. Thirdly, it means you use everyday conversations to lead to a discussion of the gospel. Everyday conversations. Talk about the weather. You talk about uh, world situation, world events. You talk about sickness or death or or talk about some calamitous uh, situation. And you're thinking about how a particular situation can lead to the gospel, then can lead you into a discussion of the gospel. That's what God wants. Turn Turn to Luke chapter 13. Very instructive. I've mentioned this before, but I want to just read these few verses here. You see what Jesus did, making the most of the situation. In fact, when you look at the Gospels, you'll see these kind of stories time and time and time again. Somebody's talking about something, then Jesus starts talking and relates it to the Gospel. Luke 13, 1. Now, on the same occasion, there were some present who reported to him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifice. That is... Pilate had these people murdered. And Jesus said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were greater sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this fate? I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or do you suppose that those 18 in whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them were worse culprits than all the men who live in Jerusalem? I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. We use this situation. One was, an, one was murder, one was an accident to point out to these people themselves that they were sinners. 
And they were guilty, and they needed to repent or they would perish. So this is just a situation here where Jesus is making the most of the opportunity. What's important then, what's really important in sharing the truth of the gospel, and of course this is true of Jesus all the time, is that we love the person. We really love the person. We're with somebody, you know, and, 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 and God needs to help us to be kind and compassionate, to be gentle, be thinking about that person in a loving way, seeing past their, their skin or their clothes or their hair and the, into the soul of the person and what's going on. They need the Lord and to love them with that love. Ephesians 4.15 sums it up very well. It says, speak the truth in love. So when you're with somebody, you're not just sharing the truth and you're not just being nice and friendly. You're speaking the truth with love. Always remember that because you can speak the truth, but if it doesn't come across in a loving way, people aren't going to hear you maybe like they should. And they probably should hear you anyway. But I tell you, God wants us to be ones who are loving as we share the truth. The sixth point here is that salvation is a gift from God. Jesus is talking about this living water, and this living water symbolizes spiritual life. And the spiritual life then is God's gift to us. It's what God wants to give us. You see, spiritual life is, is free. It's what people, is what God wants to give, give to us. It's not like anybody is forcing him to give it to us. He just wants to do it. That's because he loves us. He loves us, and he wants to give us eternal life. He wants to give us this spiritual life, this living water. The, the classic verse is John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but would have eternal life. God wants to give us eternal life. That spiritual life is a gift from God means that, that we can't do anything to earn it. We don't deserve it. We can't work for it. It's not a matter of good works. It's not a matter of anything anybody can do for us. I remember, remember the example last week I told about the Maccabeans way back 160 B.C., and they were praying for their fellow soldiers who had died, but it doesn't work. It's not a matter of lighting some candle or saying some prayer for the person who's died. God's got to save people. God's got to give that gift to him. And we should pray that God does do that. That's a good thing to do. God saved that person. We should always pray that. But the point here is spiritual life is a free gift from God. The idea that, that our good works can, can cover, can atone for our sins, for our millions of sins, I would say we all sin lots and lots of times, is pure foolishness. It's totally false. It's one of the greatest errors. The idea that our good works can satisfy God's infinite demands for justice is just ridiculous. It is. This, I have good, this idea of good works. Most people and most religions, though, believe that the way to get to God, the way to get right to God, the way to get to heaven is by good works. And it is not. That is not true. That is wrong. Being right with God and receiving spiritual life, receiving eternal life, receiving this living water is a gift from God. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is so important. You talk to somebody about the gospel, you have to stress this. We're so used to working for things. And yes, we want to have a good worker, I think, as people at our job thing, but this spiritual life is what God gives us. Romans 3.23, turn there. Romans 3.23-25. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation or as a satisfaction or atonement in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness 
because of the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously committed. God gives us the gift of life. And it's free for us, but it costs God greatly. It costs Christ his very life. The only way to be given spiritual life is for Christ to satisfy God's demands for justice. And he does this, he did this when he went to the cross and paid for our sins. And then the Holy Spirit is one who appropriates, who applies the work that Christ did in the cross 2,000 years ago to the heart of an individual. And that person then is born again. He's regenerated. It's by the power of the Spirit. There's a verse in Ephesians I mentioned last week. It's a great verse. By grace you are saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It is a gift of God, lest any man should bow. It's not by works. It's not by works, but God gives it to us. The seventh point, and this is an important one here. We're going to spend a little more time on this one. This is just a spiritual, spiritual gift of God is living water. What does this mean? Living water. It's, it's pretty basic, but we need to go through this. It says living water, and you need living water to spiritually live. You need this living water to spiritually live, just like you need physical water to physically live. You all understand that. And physical water is what you need more than anything else. You need physical water more than food. Okay? You have to have this living water. The body is 60% of the body is, is water. 73% of your brain is water. 83% of your lungs is water. There's a lot of water in this body, okay? You need water. Not just because you're thirsty, but your body needs water. So, too, you need living water to live, to spiritually live. Nothing but living water then can meet your spiritual need, can really satisfy you. This word living is a big word. We talk about this living water and that God gives you living water. That's when you're truly living. And we could talk, what does it mean to truly live? It means you have love and joy and peace. You're content. You're satisfied. You have this relationship with God. You're on your way to heaven. That's this living water. It's a, it's a general word that relates to all that you need as a Christian. And God wants to give you this living water. And you get this living water by the Holy Spirit. Turn to John chapter 7, verse 37 to 39. She's in the temple, John seven thirty seven. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So the means... The way that we get this living water is through the Spirit. That's what Jesus says right there. That's how we get it. God gives it to us, but it's the Holy Spirit that then applies it to our lives. We get thirsty for physical water, right? You all got thirsty. You all go to the sink or some bottle of water someplace. You take a drink of water. You get thirsty for physical water, and so too we get thirsty for this living water, for that which can truly satisfy. That is, people are thirsty for love and joy and peace, and contentment, and purpose. They're thirsty for it. They want this. I mean, you all could probably share stories about times in life where you just felt empty. You were thirsty for living water, whether you knew it or not, for what only God can really give you. But people are deceived and thirst for worldly and fleshly things, thinking that these things can satisfy them, that these can meet their needs, but they cannot do that. Turn to Isaiah 55. 
Isaiah 55, just a couple of verses, states the same thing. Isaiah 55, verses 1 and 2. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money, without cost. That is, this water, and he's talking about living water here, is free. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. Just the truth of this, and what we're seeing in John chapter 4 here, is God wants to give us living water freely. He wants to satisfy us, yet people tend to go to all kinds of things in the world. People go after what? Let me give you some examples. People go after food, okay? People go after alcohol. People go after drugs. People go after sex. All these things, but they don't satisfy. They don't satisfy. They don't. They think that having money or clothes or cars or smartphones or good looks will satisfy them, will make them happy, but they do not. They think that listening to music Watching a movie or a TV show or playing a video game will satisfy them, but they will not. I'm not saying you can't watch a movie, but in and of itself, it doesn't give you life. All these things leave people empty, satisfied, and craving for more. And I have no doubt, because I know what my own life is like, there's been so many times in your life where you've wanted, whether it's one of these things or something else, it's empty. It's empty. You're empty. You know what I mean? Very, really basic truth. Hebrews eleven twenty five. Moses called this the passing pleasures of sin. Great way to say it. The passing pleasures of sin. A lot of sin is fun, pleasurable. Lusting after fleshly and worldly things may result in temporary satisfaction and pleasure, but is fleeting and is empty. Jeremiah two thirteen says this way: My people have committed two evils. First, they've forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. Again, that phrase, the living waters. They've forsaken me. That's the first sin. Secondly, and to hew for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Two, two primary sins of people. One is they leave God and they go after things that aren't God, that don't satisfy. And that's what he's saying right there. Turn to 1 John chapter 2, clear at the end of your Bible right before. Jude and Revelation, 1 John chapter 2, 15 and 17. Says this in a, instead of explains this a little more here. Do not love the world nor the things in the world. Very simple. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away, and also its lust, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. Same thing. Don't lust after the things of the world, the things of the flesh, but rather look to the Lord. Genesis 3, 6, you know the problem that Adam and Eve have, right? Particularly start with, with Eve. Same thing is, is really this is 1 John 2. It says there, it says, um, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, okay, good for her stomach, the delight to the eye, she liked how it looked, that the tree was, was desirable to make one wise, she took from it and ate. Same thing, same thing. She was deceived by her own flesh and she sinned and 
and her and Adam then started this big mess that we are in. When people love the things of the world and the things of the flesh, then they're loving idols, but they're not loving God, and therefore then are not receiving this living water and aren't then being satisfied by God. That's what's happening. We talk to people, or Jesus rather, when you think about what Jesus was doing, Jesus wanted this woman to see her need and that he was the only one who could meet her needs. That was his primary objective there. And when we talk to people, you think about this. This is very important. We want people to see their need for Jesus and that only he can satisfy their need. Only he can meet their needs. The only God, that is only God can really and truly satisfy the needs of the heart, of the spirit, of the soul. That's what we're saying. You might have heard that phrase uh, Pascal says, in every person, there is a God-shaped vacuum. In the heart of every person, there's a God-shaped vacuum. That is, God is the only one who can fill up our whole, spiritually speaking, in our lives. Verses 13 and 14. Go back to John. I want you to want to read these again. John chapter 4. And what we're talking about here, of course, is we're talking about the gospel and what people need. But, but you understand, as we've been talking here, it's easy as a Christian to go through life and still be suckered into the things of the world and the flesh. And God says, hey, be careful. Don't do that. You've got to come after me. So this is a lesson really for unbelievers, but also for believers. John 4.13, he said, Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst, but the water that I give him will become him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Jesus talked to this living water being a well of water springing up to eternal life. And people, again, go after things of the world, and, and, and they thirst again. That's the whole point. They thirst again, meaning they never really were satisfied because the things of the world, the things of the flesh, do not satisfy, and they leave us empty. But living water is like a well of water. You all understand what wells are, right? You all understand a well. You go to some well and it goes down, and there's some underground water source where this, this, this water is coming from. And when you think about a well, even though you can't say this absolutely you sense, man, that water just keeps coming. There's always water in the well. There's water in this well never stops. And it could, but the point is, it's, it's an analogy here. The point is, this living water that you get from God never runs out. Never runs out. Because that's, that's because God is eternal. And God, God gives us eternal and continual source of this living water, of this love and joy and peace and contentment and satisfaction and purpose and relationship with him that he wants us to have. It's a continual thing. That's why this analogy is good. We saw the analogy in John 7. What was that one there? Well of water, that was a river. You've all seen rivers, right, that just rushing along, nice, clean, clear water, just rushing along. That's a good example, good analogy. Here we see the well of living water. So we've talked then about how being saved results in having eternal life. Okay, that's, that's basic. Here we see is that having living water is what it means to have eternal life. You get it? Having living water is what it means to have eternal life. Eternal life then is having this continual and eternal source of living water. Eternal life is having this continual and eternal source of living water. So we need to equate these in our mind, this living water this eternal life that God wants us to give that never, ever runs out. So we come to this last portion that we're going to look at today in John. And it talks about this in John 4, 16, 17, 18. Number eight 
the eighth point here, sin keeps us from having this living water, having this spiritual life. And so this woman says she wants this water, even though it's hard to know, does she really know what she's sinned? Does she really understand what Jesus said? Probably not, but she wants this water. So what does Jesus say to her? Yeah, I want this water. What does he tell her? What does she need to know? He's telling her that she's a sinner. You're a sinner. And, and his goal was to convict her of her sin. So he tells her the example we use, he uses there is the one sin. It's a big sin. It's an obvious sin. Everybody in the whole town knows about this woman. And this woman was married five times. Is now living with this other man. She was obviously unrighteous. She was immoral. She was a sinful person. She thought, here's the point, she thought that life was having a relationship with this man. A lot of people in the world like that. Man, if I could just have a good friend, girlfriend, boyfriend, marriage. She thought life was having a relationship with a man. A lot of women think that life is having a relationship with a, with a man. Or, you, you know, whether it's a man or the man or a woman or whatever, thing, whatever gender people are into these days. It's not it. It's not it. And so she was, wasn't satisfied. She had five husbands. Then got divorced, whether she divorced them or they divorced her or some combination, we don't know. So it's obvious. Jesus wanted her to know that her problem was her sin, and that's what kept her from having this living water, this eternal life. Jesus wanted her to know that she needed to first repent of her sin, turn to him, repent of her sin, be forgiven of her sin, and then she could receive this eternal life. And what he's pointing out here, and we'll talk more about this next time, he wanted her to see, and this is the the verses that follow, that he is the actual Messiah. He is the one who could then die and pay for her sins to give her this eternal life, this living water. And so so what we see then, and it's very important that you catch this here, there's two aspects to our salvation. There's two aspects. One is, is that God, through Christ, through the Holy Spirit, wants to take away our sin, wants to forgive us of our sin. And the second aspect is that God then wants to give us eternal life, this living water, this spiritual life. And so when you think about it, it's really simple. But we must see this with salvation. It's what God takes away, and it's what God gives us. And what's emphasized, and I just want you to see this here, because we're going to be going through the Gospel of John here in the weeks ahead. What's emphasized in the book of John is what? Is what God gives us. Yes, we're talking about taking away our sin. There's John 1, 20 and other verses that do that. But what's emphasized, and you cannot miss it, is this eternal life. And you could say, you could say the Gospel of John, a subtitle being um, uh, Jesus, the Son of God, who gives eternal life. That would be a great subtitle for the Gospel of John. Jesus, the Son of God, who gives eternal life. So important. And so John 4, let's sum this up. This is where we're heading in the weeks. John 4 is about living water. John 6 is about the bread of life. You see what we're saying? Living water, bread of life. John 7 talks more about living water. John 8 says Jesus is the light of the world, all what Jesus gives us. John 10, he is the good shepherd. John 11, he's the resurrection life. John chapter 14, he is the way and the truth and life, the one who leads us in life. All these topics, he's trying to drill it into our heads. Yes, he wants to take away your sin but he wants to give you eternal life. And sometimes, as Christians, we, we and some churches are even like this, they, I don't want to say they're off, what, there's a focus, 
They talk a lot about, boy, you're a sinner, you need to be forgiven. But they don't emphasize what God wants to give you. And what you see here is that Jesus just continually emphasizes, pounds it into, don't you see, I'm taking away your sins, but I want to give you this life. That's important that you understand this even for yourself. What he takes away, what he wants to give you. And so then this, this, here, this whole section is speaking of what Jesus wants to give to us, and it all then relates to this eternal life. John 5, 24, he who hears my words and believes him who sent me does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. Life and life that is eternal. So this is so encouraging. We must think of the gospel this way. What God, through Christ, through the Spirit, takes away, and what God, through Christ, through the Spirit, then gives us. And for you then, and you need to think this way, for your own life. I mean, we understand finances and and, and all of us understand, I think all of us understand debt. Uh, you know, some of you might have some debt, whether it's a mortgage or whether it's a credit card or whatever, but you have some debt, and you're in the hole. But then you maybe have a savings account, so you got some money here, but you're still in the hole. Some of you may have no debt, and that's a wonderful, wonderful thing to be out completely out of debt. The point here is this. When we talk about the gospel, we have no debt at all. There's no guilt at all. None whatsoever. It's all in the pauses. Wow, this is wonderful. So it's important that we as Christians think that way, and it's important then that when we talk to people about the gospel, we help them to see that God wants to take away their sin and that God wants them to give them this living water, this eternal life. John 10.10 says this, I came that they might have life and might have it abundantly. So you think about it. What's his life? That's a good life purpose verse. Jesus, I came. Why? That you might have life, this living water, this eternal life, this spiritual life, and have it to the full. He wants us to be filled up with his life. That's what he wants. That's why that verse, the Lord is my portion, is so good. Go to 1 John. We'll conclude to these verses here. 1 John chapter 5. 1 John 5, end of your Bible again, chapter 5, verses 11 to 13. And, and, and the epistles have a lot of these similar themes in them. It says in verse 11, the testimony is this, God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He who has a Son has a life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. And these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. That is, God wants us to know that life is in his Son and only in his Son, and God wants us to be convinced that we have this life. A lot of Christians are not sure, and God wants us to have that assurance. Let me just mention a couple of things, and we'll pray here. Um, keep praying for the Ukraine situation uh, on, a, on a positive end here. I've told you about I do this blog, and so I put out some ads, and targeted Ukraine. So this last week, for example, 700 people from Ukraine have viewed the blog. That's good. That's very positive. Pray for those people, 700. Pray for Kenny. Just talked to Kenny earlier, and he's got some kind of Achilles tear, and he's going to have to be off his feet. Can't go to work. That is, I think, clipped to May, right? May 17th, Kenny? I think that's what you said. What? 19th, okay. May 19th. So anyway, so, so pray for him, and he's going to see a surgeon here in another week or two to figure out what to do. And of course, be praying for Debbie. You knew about the fire situation. I'm sure that God works that out, and 
some of our people in the church were helpful to build a fence there, a temporary fence, and just wisdom what to do that God helps her because, man, what a... She told me this the other day. She said the first day she was uh, basically, it was like in shock, and the second day was sad because she was thinking about you know, the house. And it's not just a house, but there's memories and all those things as well. So just pray that God leads her and, and, and as a church, as God leads us to help her as well, but just to be praying for her. And also, just a, a, a quick thing here, Cindy, who is Raphael's oldest daughter, I had an eye problem, and it was really severe. It was so bad they thought she might lose her eyesight. And some of you might have heard about this, been praying for her. I think this is one on the prayer chain. But, but I just talked to Raphael this morning. He said they think it's going to be all right. And so that's very, very, very good. The, the lesson is this. If you have contacts, don't put dirty hands in your eyes. Keep your hands clean, because that's what happened. It related to her contacts and dirt getting in her eyes. There. So let's just, let's just pray for these things. Father, thank you again for your love for us. And mercy, this message today, Father, is, is one that, that needs to be uh, practical and real in our lives. Indeed, as, as Christians, we're forgiven. But we still go through day by day. Uh, we can be tempted to think that things in the world or things in the flesh can satisfy us, but they don't. It's only you. I, I just would pray, Lord, that, that more and more that we'd be ones who thirst after you and love you and, and drink of, of you, Lord, this living water and are satisfied by you, that this is what you want for us. Love, joy, peace, contentment, all these other good things that you only can give us. And I would pray that you'd help each of us to be ones who go to you and and, and, and love you and listen to you and trust you and depend on you and feed on you and drink of you, all these things, Lord, that are so, so important. Thank you, Lord, for the situation in Ukraine because you're using it, God. You're sovereign. And I pray, Lord, that people there would turn to yourself, God. I pray that you would do that, that people get saved. And even the, the little blog that I write that you would use that. But, God, even pray for peace for the whole country. God, what a... A mess, and not here to give any political commentary, but just to know that the devil is at work, and 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 he he thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That is the truth. But as you said, that next phrase, I came that they might have life, and have it abundantly. So we pray, Lord, for Kenny. God help him with his his ankle, and knowing how to work through details and things. And the doctors in the next month or two pray for Debbie. Your situation, God, you give her your grace and peace and wisdom as. She's trying to figure out where to go from here. Just thank you that Tim Ken is in town now, living in town, her son over in Brandon, and he can help at this time, but just pray. And, Lord, for all of us here, we have things. And we thank you, too, for Cindy, uh, Lord, the, the miracle there that you got her get eyes healing up. But, but Lord, for all of us, uh, we, we go through tough times, tough situations. Help us again to look to you, to depend on you, Lord. And I pray as a church family, if there's somebody in need, that we would be ones who are sensitive to that, that you use us as a church family to encourage one another, to build one another up, to help each other as we can. But thank you again now for this time. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.